In this programme, Professor Edward Valance of the University of Roehampton explains the controversial position taken by Oliver Cromwell, who chaired most of the Putney debates of 1647, and how the resulting divisions in the ranks of the new model army remain an important matter for debate among historians. Oliver Cromwell's prominence at the Putney debates was a quirk of fate. The illness of Sir Thomas Fairfax meant Cromwell took the chair for the most momentous days of the whole proceedings. With Henry Ireton, Cromwell gave the lengthiest defence of both the army leadership's conduct of negotiations and its peace proposals. Cromwell's strategy in the debates, however, notably differed from that of his son-in-law Ireton. Where Ireton chose a direct line of attack, picking holes in the arguments of his opponents, Cromwell instead tended to take a more placatory line, suggesting that contentious matters be considered by a committee or supporting the cause of other participants, notably William Goff, to seek guidance from God through prayer. Some historians have seen this stance as a genuine attempt to preserve army unity. Yet the authenticity of Cromwell's approach at Putney was questioned by some of those present, not least Colonel Thomas Rainsborough. At the debates, Rainsborough complained that he would not be allowed to attend the Council of Officers for much longer, having received a letter that his regiment was to be taken away from him. Cromwell attempted to smooth over this issue, stating that he was glad we shall enjoy his, meaning Rainsborough's company, longer than we thought we should have done. Rainsborough, however, had little patience with what he clearly saw as empty flattery, curtly replying, if I should not be kicked out. The agitator Edward Sexby's attack on Cromwell at the outset of the debates also revealed the personal hostility towards the Lieutenant General felt by some of the agitators. As much as Cromwell's approach at Putney may have been strategic, offering a more sympathetic stance than the aggressive tack taken by Ireton, it was also revealing of Cromwell's political thinking or rather lack thereof. As the historian John Morrill has put it, Cromwell's contributions to the debates revealed an unsophisticated political thought, which owed nothing to Aristotle or Edward Cook, and everything to the Old Testament. Cromwell stated that he considered constitutional forms mere dross and dung in comparison with Christ. The type of government established was much less important to him than its ability to support God's work. In this regard, Morrill has seen the debates as significant in shifting Cromwell's thought in relation to the king. He seems to have come to the view of Gough and Sexby that the Almighty had now turned against Charles. In contrast to those members of the army, such as Thomas Harrison, who demanded the king be immediately brought to justice, however, Cromwell urged that the moment had not yet come to proceed against him. In an accompanying programme... Professor Valance discusses how the Radicals' call for a modern constitution, including universal male suffrage and an end to the supremacy of the monarchy, failed to win the support of Oliver Cromwell and his fellow grandees, splitting the new model army into factions and causing the deep divisions that would eventually spell the end of Britain's short-lived experiment with Republican government. Listen to this programme on our website worldturnedupsidedown.co.uk or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also download short biographies of other key players in the Putney debates of 1647, including Thomas Rainsborough, Edward Sexby, Henry Ireton and John Wildman. (laughs) 